Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What a great church family we have. And you know, I don't know about you, but I was so inspired and encouraged last week by Pastor Bruce Hills and by the word that he spoke, that God is doing something new. God is about to birth something new in this place, that it's time for us to expand. It's time for us to be really ready and welcome when we open those front doors, that people that are coming in these doors, we're embracing them, that we're loving them, that we're ready to receive the harvest. Bruce shared with our eldership team that there was a prophecy that was brought to a church. Would you go to a hospital where nine out of 10 babies died? And of course you would not. Babies are so important, but yet sometimes that's what happens where God's babies come to this church, where new Christians are birthed, the body of Christ, which should be a hospital, lets these babies die. So I believe that's a challenge to all of us. And um, it was so beautiful seeing that dedication this morning, wasn't it? Baby Eden. And you know, babies are just so precious. Every life is so precious to God. And um, I was reflecting as I was preparing about when our family was getting ready to expand our family. And we had a golden retriever. He was our baby. He was five years old. And then we were about to have our first child, James. And um, as we were pregnant, we thought we better get ready. So you do all the things that you do. You get the nursery ready. You get everything prepared for this new baby. And in part of our preparation, we had a golden retriever. We had to get the golden retriever ready. He was very important. He's a beautiful part of our family. And um, I had a friend of mine who gave me an old doll. And we used to use the doll to train the dog. And we used to put the dog on, down on the, on the baby's mat. And we did all of this training with Toby. Got a couple of photos to share with you this morning. And um, Toby and he loved James when he came home and James and Toby became the best of friends. There they are. There's James. He was 10 days old there. I think the previous photo we have up, that was when James was one day old. Little baby James. Don't the years fly? One day Mel and Tim will be thinking about when, you know, their little beautiful Eden is going to be 11 one day too. And I was just so wonderful looking back. So they were the best of friends. Toby, the golden retriever. And that's because we prepared him. Now, when I was preparing my message, I had the doll and I was getting everything ready, as you do, and um, I had the doll sitting on the desk, and um, the next minute we see, that's our Labradoodle. Now, Harry is not prepared for babies. Now, that's what Harry does to toys. The guts end up all over the house. Thankfully, we rescued baby in time, and I'm glad that I'm not pregnant and having another child because I'd be a bit concerned about what the Labradoodle would do. So as our church expands... As God births something new, let's be like the golden retriever and not like the labradoodle, all right. That's wonderful. Really excited about our new series this morning. I'm very, very honoured that Pastor Shane asked me to speak today. So much in the book of James. And it was written to believers who were scattered all across the world at that time. And some scholars actually believe that the book of James was the very first book of the New Testament to be written. And the book of James, this series is going to be entitled Practical Christianity because that's what the book of James is all about. 
The author of the book of James was the brother of Jesus, younger brother of Jesus, who did not believe in Jesus during Jesus' lifetime. He was with Jesus. He was there when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, but he questioned. He didn't believe until Jesus died and rose again. And then James, the younger brother of Jesus, actually rose up to be one of the greatest leaders in the church of Jerusalem. And so he spoke from great um, conviction. We can see there's lots of parallels in the book of James to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's also referred as the book of wisdom of the New Testament because there's so many parallels to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So the book of James is an awesome book for us to be walking through together as a church. It's absolutely fantastic. It's very, very practical teaching on how we should live in the real world and what it means to live an authentically Christian life in an unbelieving sometimes hostile environment. Don't we know that we need that in the world today with how we're living? So love us to turn in our Bibles this morning to James chapter 1. We're going to be launching this series on unpacking verses 1 to 8. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, today, as your word goes forth, Lord, Lord, I pray that for each one of us, we would open our hearts, Lord, to receive the seed of your word, Lord. May it fall on the good soil in our heart. Let it take root so that it can grow and produce a great harvest of multiplying your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read this passage together. James chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance work, finish its work in you, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So as I was preparing, I really felt that the challenge for every single one of us today is to ask ourselves the question, how do I respond to challenges to my faith in God? We see in that passage of Scripture, James doesn't say if trials come. He says when the trials will come. Trials are an inevitable thing in the Christian walk for any growing Christian. And this book is so wonderful in teaching us how we need to respond. We're going to unpack it now, starting with verse 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, 
greetings. Now, the Apostle Paul actually refers to James as an apostle, but James does not introduce himself as an apostle. It's a very humble greeting, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only place in the New Testament where that kind of greeting is actually used from a person because he's distinguishing God and Jesus. And we don't know why James did that, but what it is showing is that he became a servant of the one that he once doubted. He became a servant of the one who he was once familiar with, the Lord Jesus Christ, his own brother. So very powerfully humbled himself and acknowledged the lordship of Jesus Christ. And greetings there, we see greetings right throughout the New Testament and greetings is sort of in our culture is just greetings, you know. But in the Bible, it actually means joy be to you. So we're starting to see the first key here about how we need to respond. Now we're going to unpack verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So the first way we need to respond to challenges in our faith is with joy. And we might look at that and go, what the heck? How is that possible? How is it possible to be joyful in difficult circumstances? Do we dehumanize ourselves? From our experiences? Do we fake being happy? Do we get all stoic and block out our feelings? Do we have to reject our humanity in order to be spiritual? And of course, the answer is no way. But we need to understand that because sometimes we try to do those things because we want to follow the Word of God. And it's very important for us to understand what the Apostle James was saying here. And the first key is the word consider. That is a very, very, very key term here because James is encouraging us to make a deliberate, intentional, thoughtful and decided response. It's not our automatic response. This is something we have to consider. This is something we have to choose. This is something that we have to decide. And the fact that he calls it pure joy means that it's genuine joy, means that it's not mixed with any other feelings. It's sincere. Joy is not happiness. It's an inward delight. There's a gladness of heart. And it's a supernatural, um, it, it absolutely supersedes anything that's happening in our soul realm, in our emotional realm. Joy is from the Holy Spirit. Pure joy, undefiled by other emotions. So when we willingly choose this response over our emotions and circumstances, we choose to have faith in the God that is at work within us. So the challenge is not whether we will face trials, but in how we respond to them. I love that Colleen shared the testimony this morning about Malachi because I just am amazed at the miracle working power of God and Colleen and I have supported each other because we've both had children with special needs and um, one day Malachi said to his mum, mum, Rochelle and I are prayer partners and Rochelle, and, and Rochelle play, prays for Malachi and Malachi praise for Rochelle and there's just such a beautiful thing you know so many times when we go through trials we run from the house of God because we become disillusioned with God God why has this happened to me how could you let this happen and the thing is is we need the house 
house of God. We need our church family when we're going through trials, when we're going through hard times. That's when we need to dig into God and to His house and to rely on our family in Christ even more than ever before. So when our baby girl was born, she was born with part of her spine missing. This doll is actually how big she was. This was her little suit. It was five noughts and it was actually too big for her when she was born. She was absolutely tiny little baby. And um, you can imagine as parents, you have this beautiful, precious, little, vulnerable little baby who's, who's in your hands. And, and it was absolutely heartbreaking that there was something wrong, that there was part of her spine missing. She was incontinent of, of the bladder and the bowel. Her feet were very badly deformed and, um, and her legs were crippled from the knees down. It was a very, very challenging time. But Anne and I knew from walking with the Lord and all the trials that we had been through, that when you go through things sometimes in life, you don't know why they happen. But when we are in Christ, we know that He is for us and that He is sovereign and that He is powerful. And if He has allowed something like this to happen, it's because there is a divine purpose that He knows. He is I am. He's already in the future. We can trust in Him. It didn't mean that we weren't anxious. It didn't mean that we weren't stressed. It didn't mean that we weren't in grief and all the things that we're having to deal with with the doctors and all the things that were happening. But we had joy and we had an inner strength from the Holy Spirit. And as we held her, and we were just about to get rushed to Sydney Kids Hospital and up at Randwick at the Royal Hospital for Women. And Ian and I held this little baby girl. Ian was holding her. We've got a photo up there. There he is. And the tears were streaming down our faces and we said, Lord, we don't know why this has happened, but we thank you that you are good and you are faithful and we choose to praise you and we choose to trust that even though we don't know now why this has happened, we trust that you are God and we put our faith in you. Joy supersedes our circumstances. It supersedes our emotions when it's pure joy from heaven and it sustains us. And there was one particular nurse at the time and I I did, I started feeling amazing joy. And there was a, 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 she was the registrar and she had this really broad Scottish accent and no one could ever understand her. So she'd be sending us off to a test over here and a test over there. We were getting sent to the wrong places and all this stuff was happening and she sat down on the bed and and I just said, it's because no one can understand you, love. (laughs) Didn't go down too well with her, but I was laughing. I thought it was quite funny at the time. And there's a photo there on the next slide a little bear that Martin and Carissa Olsen bought for us. And that, can you see the size of that tiny little bear? There's Shelley next to her. That's how small she was. She was so tiny. And God's hand was on her. And he's done so much in her life and in through us, through our lives because of the circumstance. So when we consider the outcome, we will receive and experience joy because we have faith that the trial has purpose. You see, and James teaches us that we are to face trials, not run from them. We are to face those trials. We are to confront it. We're going to go forward with courage. We're going to choose to be brave. Brave doesn't mean that you're not scared. It just means you choose not to run away. How do I respond to challenges, to my faith 
in God. Verse 3, because you know, because you know, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I started writing emails and sending them to every single person I knew, asking them to pray for Rochelle, including all of my unsaved workmates. I said, Lord, if this is going to happen to us, then I'm going to use it to reach as many people to Christ as I possibly can. I had workmates going to church just to pray for Rochelle that had never gone to church before. My Uma, who was very anti-God, started to pray, and I started to share about Jesus with my Uma. God started opening up all these doors... So the second response we see in verse 3 is we need to respond with perseverance. I was reading the emails as I was preparing the message and some of them for a few years ago and seeing how far we've come and how much God has done. Every time she dances up there in the front row, I just never take that for granted because of the goodness of God and his faithfulness and what he has done, that he was with us. And sometimes when we're going through a trial, we can think it means God has left us. It doesn't mean that at all. God is with us. God is faithful. God is true. He is just and And if we yield ourselves to the work that he wants to do in our lives through that trial, we're going to be refined just as gold is refined and purified in the furnace. The testing of our faith means the experience of having our faith put to the test. The Greek word translated perseverance also means active steadfastness in rather than passive submissive submission to our circumstances, staying power, strong constancy, stickability. Testing of our faith shows what our faith is really made of. Do we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Is he really Lord of our life? Are we really going to worship him no matter what happens? Do we really believe that he is God and he is sovereign? The tests of our faith And if our faith is not strong enough, we're constantly asking God why rather than what can I learn from this? We become wavering in our commitment. We're vacillating in putting ourselves first rather than God first. We feel like giving up and giving in. And in all those things, we need to develop perseverance. How do I respond to challenges to my faith in God? Verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So the third area we see is that we need to respond with endurance, with a heart not to give up, no matter what we face, no matter what trials come our way, no matter when we're under illness or persecution or temptation, that we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we are not going to give up. We are not going to give in. No matter what happens, we will worship him. I've shared before that there was, there was one time where I was so desperate and so under so much stress and anxiety and everything that on the Tuesday, I felt like throwing myself off a balcony. I was having suicidal thoughts. But that next Sunday, I was up song leading again. And I remember I was. I was wrestling with all sorts of feelings towards God, as you do, because we're human. And I started to dance in his presence. And I said, Lord... I dare you to be faithful. I'm going to praise you because you're faithful. I'm going to trust that you're faithful. And when we do that, when we choose to 
endure in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the doubt. When we choose, we make that decision. I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to endure to the end. That's when God does his work. Too many people give up before the finish line. They walk off the race. But God is using that race. God is using that challenge to mature us, to complete us, to heal us. He wants us to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. I had so much baggage in my heart before this journey with Rochelle. I was never going back into leadership. And I honestly believe that if those circumstances Hadn't happened, I would not be standing up before you sharing the word of God today. God uses everything. Maturity and completeness, not lacking anything. I really related to Colleen's story this morning. I just think it's amazing how the services unfolded today, so many things. The Lord is saying to us, Ian and I tried everything. We'd to believe in God for Rochelle's healing. We'd fasted, we'd prayed, we'd waited. We'd done everything that we knew how to do. We'd waited, we've stood, we'd stood, we'd stood. Five years down the track, we had a very bad year with her. She was in a lot of pain. We were dealing with lots of stuff. There was one night she had to get airlifted to Sydney, except they had no helicopter. It was very serious. They thought we were going to lose her with a twisted bowel and miraculous things happened and God came through. But it was a very intense time. And I remember in the midst of all of that, I was just at my wit's end because anyone who's a parent knows that watching your child suffer is worse than suffering yourself. And I'm like, what's it going to take, Lord? I know you can heal her. I know you're powerful. Why are you not healing our girl? And I remember lying on these cold tile floors and sobbing and sobbing and thinking, maybe if I'm desperate enough, God will hear my prayer. Maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I'm not believing right. And I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed so hard that I actually injured my shoulder on these cold tiles because I was so desperate. And in a vision, I saw myself grab the Lord and shake him and say, can't you see? Can't you see? Can't you see? And he stood there before me in the vision and the tears rolled down the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Suzanne, can't you see? Can't you see? Can't you see? And he opened my eyes and I saw all of those who were in the valley of decision, who needed the Lord Jesus Christ, who were hurting more than what I was hurting. I was so focused on our pain and our suffering and our daughter and what we were going through that I was failing to see the purpose in what the Lord had allowed this to happen in our lives, that he wants to lead the multitudes to him, that there are those out there who need the Lord Jesus Christ Church, there are going to be people coming through those doors who need the Lord Jesus Christ and we cannot afford to be caught up in our own lives anymore. We need to reach the lost because there is purpose in the trial. Our cry is salvation for me. Save me, Lord. Save my girl, Lord. Save my family. The Lord's cry is, I want to save them all. I want salvation for all. So the, just as we start to conclude, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, 
you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So the fourth way we respond to challenges in our faith is with humility. Asking God, God, I need you. I don't have the wisdom to lead your people, God. I need your wisdom. I need you, Lord. And as we get to that place of humility where we're asking him, we stop trying to make our Christian life happen. We stop reading the Bible and and try to force ourselves into doing what it says to know that the Holy Spirit lives within us. He dwells within us. It's his power. It's his wisdom. It's his ability. It's his anointing. We can't please God without him. That's why faith is so important. We need to come boldly with our request to the unwavering, steadfast, gracious God. How do I respond to challenges to my faith in God? Verse 6. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So the fifth area is that we need to respond with faith. James is talking about the importance of faith in prayer, which is more than a belief belief that God will give what we ask. It includes confident, unwavering in trusting God, especially when he doesn't answer our prayers. We're still going to trust in him and his divine purpose. Doubting means to differentiate or dispute with oneself, to waver between opinions. It implies a basic conflict in loyalties, The doubting person doesn't know who to believe, themselves, other people, or God. Doubt undermines our faith. Like the surface of the sea, changes according to the direction of strength of the wind, worldly trends and fads, has no fixed belief or direction. And when we doubt, we end up being prey to every shifting wind of whim, feeling, opinion, doctrine, contradiction because our loyalty to God is constantly threatened. A doubting person keeps all their options open rather than wholeheartedly trusting in God. And if we're honest today, we've all gone through doubt. I know I have. We've doubted at times. But again, this is a conscious decision. When my faith is tested, am I going to choose to believe? Am I going to choose faith? Am I going to choose to shut out that voice of doubt in Jesus' name and allow the truth and the light of God's word and his truth to shine right throughout my life? Love to ask the worship team to come this morning. God is looking for singleness toward him in responding to challenges in our faith. In concluding today, how do I respond to challenges to my faith in God? We respond with joy in him when we're going through trials. Perseverance in testing so that we can reach maturity in him. Endurance to the end, never quitting, yielding to God, making us complete in him. With humility to ask for everything we need to build our faith strong in him. And responding with faith, anchored in unwavering, single-minded trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we consider the outcome, we will experience joy because we have faith that it has purpose. 
What's God saying to you today? Maybe you've been sucked into the drain of depression because you've become so drained by your circumstances instead of choosing supernatural joy. Maybe you've not understood that there's a divine purpose in trials and have been thinking short-term and not long-term in the term, the, the vision of eternity. Maybe you've quit before you've got your breakthrough. Maybe you've been trying to impress God by your own human ability and have fallen short. Maybe you've given your thinking over to the opinions of others or the world and have allowed inner doubts to come in and start to take root and cause instability in your faith. How will you respond now? Let's bow our heads and pray. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here today, Lord. Right across this place today, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're dropping words of revelation into people's hearts. Lord, you're shining your light on each life, Lord God, that you would illuminate your plans, Lord God, your words, Lord God. And today, Lord, I pray for each of us that we would make that leap of faith today, Lord God. Lord, that those things that have been holding us back, Lord, Lord, those doubts we've allowed, in. Lord, the disillusionment we've allowed in. In Jesus' name, we confess those sins before you today, Lord God. We repent from those sins and we say today is a new day. I'm going to put my faith and hope and trust in you. And where I feel like I've stepped out before and failed, I am going to rise again. I am going to walk again. I am going to go forth in your name. I'm going to dare to believe that you are faithful. I'm going to dare to trust in you once again. This time I'm going to go and I'm going to endure to the end because you have a greater plan for my life than I could ever think or imagine. Your ways are so much higher. Your thoughts are so much higher than mine. And today I humble myself, God, and acknowledge that you are God. Have your way in my life. Jesus' name. Just as every head is bowed and every eye is closed today, there might be people in this place who have never made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. And we want to give you that opportunity this morning to be able to respond to Him. The first step is in acknowledging that you need Him and that nothing that you do can change you inwardly. We all need a Saviour to rescue us. And the good news this morning is that this Saviour of the world wants to save you from your past, wants to save you from your mistakes, from your sin, from your bad choices. No matter who you are or where you've been or how long you have been fallen under the curse of sin, Jesus died so that you could live. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and want to confess Him as your personal Lord and Saviour, if you want to commit your life to Christ for the first time, if you want to commit your life, recommit your life again to Jesus today, I'd love you just quickly in this place to just raise your hand right across this place today. Just respond to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, yes, Lord, I need you. Come be my Saviour. Is there anyone here in this place like that this morning? Love you to raise your hand in this place. Thank you, Lord. It's a heart decision this morning. It's a conscious choice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We're going to all pray this prayer this morning together. Lord Jesus, 
I know I've sinned against you. Forgive me, Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead, Jesus. And confess today that you are Lord of my life. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who now lives in me. And I receive you as my Saviour and commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Come take over me. Amen. Amen. You can look up this morning. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, we would love to meet with you and encourage you. We've got red cards that you can fill out and give us your information. I'll personally give you a call this week and see what we can do to follow you up and encourage you in your walk in Christ. Amen. Worship team is going to sing another song. We're just going to stand up this morning and celebrate together. Amen.